You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This is Kansas State's Felix Enidike Uzama, and you're listening to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to another edition of the Will Howard Podcast. No, hold on. That's not right. The PowerCat Podcast featuring Will Howard. No. No? I'm just pandering for ratings at this point? We could have paid him. We could. Oh, he's, he's available. Hottest free agent on the market. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, and a special guest star today, Ryan Gills Gilbert is with us. It's been a while. I know. It's good, good to, to have you. Good to have you. I missed your dogs. Yeah, I know. Uh, my dogs. Yeah, Daphne's just possessed. So we're doing basketball Zooms on Monday leading up to Tuesday night's game. And and so I do the Tang one. He was a little bit testy, but, you know, that's okay. Um, and... Um, then we get ready for a player who I won't name because the player pulled a no-show on the media Zoom, leaving all of us sitting there for 30 minutes waiting for him. But when I hopped on, Daphne, Daphne just erupted. So the really the only one who spoke on the player Zoom was Daphne barking. Much like that. We're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. I was in the fridge the other day talking to Kevin, the owner, and... Uh, Things are rocking and rolling, absolutely rocking and rolling at the fridge. But what was curious about this day, it was just, you know, random, I think Monday afternoon last week, and uh, there's there's nobody in the parking lot. I've never seen the fridge with an empty parking lot. I've never, ever seen that. Uh, but, you know, Halloween to the fridge is kind of like Christmas to everyone else. So they got that out of the way. Um, and so I think when you come to town on, on Saturday, just head on over to the fridge, get some delicious drinks for your tailgate. Just go in there and ask Mike and all everyone else that works in there. There's multiple mics. What is the best tailgate drink you can recommend? The yardstick thing oh, that isn't a bucket. That Yeah, the yardstick of Fireball? Yeah. Go get yourself a yard. You know, it would have been great to hand out on Halloween to the moms and dads. Yeah, thank you. Here, mom. Here, mom and dad. Here's something for you. Fit, you know where I went after we recorded our post game podcast? Uh, straight to Aggieville to get intoxicated. Well, before I went there, I went to the fridge wholesale liquor on the corner of this and that in the town in which we live. And then he showed up to Taco Lucha. Did you go in there and? Get you some? I did. Okay. Let's move on to your questions from Wild Bass Station. If you're new here, and a lot of people are, the podcast is growing. Um, this is what we do. This podcast is free for everyone to hear. In fact, you can download it earlier on your favorite platform. Then you probably will appear on Go Powercat because of content scheduling. But only questions we ask are from our subscribers at Wild Bass Station. And with the questions from Wild Bass, here's Gills in his soothing tones that you have missed for a couple weeks 
First question comes from Get Out More oh, Cat. Oh, that's sexy. How hard will it be for Will Howard to come down from the high of this past weekend and get locked in for Texas? Would it be better for Adrian Martinez to start? Valid. All valid. Now, I just posted my walk and talk at Go Power Cat. Um, we're talking in the 3 o'clock hour here on Tuesday. By the way, we're recording this before basketball. I forgot to mention that. Um yeah, I mean, it would be a problem. And I don't think it really is the performance that is the issue. If you've seen how much Will enjoyed the post-game party on the field, he was in heaven and good for him. But I do think that might be an issue. Now, with my post, my, my weekly walk and talk, my mid-season, mid, God, Zach. Mid-week. Thank you. Words. Pre-game. Pre-game walk and talk. Oh, just uh, so many words. There's just so many words. Um, with my pre-game walk and talk, I theorize that they probably will start Adrian if he's healthy. I mean, he is the starter. Mm-hmm. I don't see Chris Kleiman changing that. But I have some theories on the red shirt, whether or not he will, I share on there. Um, I just don't see how they can. But, yeah, I, I would imagine knowing Chris Kleiman, if Adrian's healthy, he will start against Texas. I think that's the right decision. And I don't know if there's a question about that later on in the podcast, but I think if Adrian starts, that's the right decision. I've been pretty firm on that. I, I talked about that after the game with you, Fitz. I've, I've talked to people this week. I think Adrian Martinez is going to start. I think it would be the right decision. And quite honestly, I think he's going to be close to 100% healthy. That that story that Colin Klein and I should say Chris Kleiman talked about after the game on Saturday, and we asked about it on, asked about it on Tuesday, it, it really sounded like Adrian could have played on Saturday Mm -hmm. and they made a decision. I think maybe partly because of the red shirt status that they felt like they could use will this game. They felt like they could win with will. And so they played him. Um, I think Adrian Martinez is going to start. And even if he is 95% healthy, if he was 90% healthy last Saturday, if he's 95% healthy now, he should be the starter. I agree. I totally agree. Um, But Zach, what do you do with will? I mean, at this point, you've played him two games. You have two games to go. If you want to save him for the bowl game, you know, whether that's New Year's Six or just, you know, Alamo Bowl, whatever it is, Big 12 championship game. I mean, there's two games right there. You can't possibly play him at Texas or against Texas if you're trying to maintain his red shirt. But I think at this point, you've got to burn it. You have to just accept that Will Howard makes your team better in whatever role that you can play him in and you need to play him because this, this whole dance of the last two years of, Oh, we want to save his red shirt. We want him, you know, we want to maintain it. And then you play him five games, you know, just get the max out of him right now and, and burn it. But also going back to kind of the question, I I think you probably you should start Will Howard, I think, just based off of what you saw there. I don't think this is like a Cooper Rush, Dak Prescott situation, like at the beginning of this year with the Cowboys, where you have your your quarterback go down and then you have a backup come in who plays well. But everybody knows Dak's going back in. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that the, the gap between Will Howard, especially with what he showed in that first half against TCU and the entire game against Oklahoma State, I don't see how you can say that that, is worse, so to speak, than what Adrian Martinez could have done. And and I get if if the matchup for quarterback run game against Texas is going to be better than, you know, maybe the passing game with Will Howard, I get that. I get playing Adrian Martinez. I'm good with that if it's if it's a strategy call on winning the football game. But that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. 
K-State needs to go out there and give their guys the best chance to win. And I don't think it necessarily falls on one guy or the other at this point. I think you need them both. To piggyback off of that, you know, Howard and Martinez have both played, you know, very well at times this season. So with regards to the question, I don't think it's more about the quarterback. It's more it's it's more about the whole team in general, how they can respond and not have a low after that high on Saturday. The whole team played phenomenal. They played perfect, not just the quarterback position. So regardless of who's in there, I think K-State gets good productivity from that position at QB. It's it's more of the team as a whole who you know, that I'm worried about showing up on Saturday after such a big, you know, dominant win. Zach, are you basically telling me that you think Adrian Martinez got Wally pipped? I don't know what that word means. Is that a history guy? Wally Pip. No. History? You, do you know who? Do you yeah, know? but is it, who, who went in for him? Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig, yeah. And then Lou Gehrig never stopped playing. And Yeah, and he took a spot because of injury. Are, is that what you're saying? No, I'm, I'm saying that. I mean, maybe, yeah. I mean, if Will Howard is, if this is what you're getting from Will Howard, and if Will Howard is going to run the table and not lose a game for you, why not play him? But also at the same time, Adrian Martinez brings a skill set that is different from Adrian Martinez, and it might have a better impact against a defense such as Texas that may be better to help you win the game. At the end of the day, you should be trying to win football games and not trying to save someone's red shirt. And I really wish that they would have at the beginning of the season just said, Will's going to play five, ten snaps a game, however we need him. He's going to be on the field. We're going to make use of him, however that is. Like Taysom Hill for the Saints. Right. Just put him out there. Make him the holder. I mean, do something with him. I mean, quit trying to save this red shirt. It's the third year of just trying to figure out a, a role for him. It's He's played. He's one of the only guys that has played in the last three years for, for K-State mm-hmm. in each season. Honest here. I'll be really disappointed if they don't. If they are going to just say, the hell with it, we got to play Will. If they don't have some kind of sequence with both guys on the field, I'll be really disappointed. Because you can line Adrian Martinez up in the backfield with Deuce Vaughn as running backs, and that's a legitimate threat because he can run the ball so well. You can put him in the slot and throw him a little bubble screen, but behind the line of scrimmage or backwards pass, and now you've got another throw. You can do so much stuff that will totally mess with the defense. I'll be disappointed if they don't put something in. Unless things go south with Avery Johnson, it's not going to matter. This season's not going to matter with Howard's redshirt, in my opinion. Uh, look, I mean, it'll be a blessing because they won't have such a debate on their hands if Howard continues to play. I mean, you still get two years if he burns it. You yeah. still get 23 right. and 24. That's plenty of football for a college quarterback to that's, play. That's it's exactly plenty. Right. And you have Avery Johnson. And the red shirt doesn't matter anymore. You've got Avery that can then he can red shirt in all likelihood next year. And then he can be the number two in 20, geez, 2024. Four, um, as Will Howard plays his final season. I think it actually works well. But that math has been unchanged, and they've been determined to redshirt him. And I think that is in, in deference to Will Howard's opportunities to play football. We want to maximize his ability, if you're Chris Kleiman, we want to maximize his ability to play college football. And by missing out on redshirting him two different seasons is really unfair to him. But is it when you get back the COVID year? I mean, he's got that already. That going is his redshirt year. It essentially can be functioning like that. Yes. So I, I get it, but uh, boy, you, you're in a unique position right now 
This is something totally different. Rarely do you find a college program with two quarterbacks capable of playing at a high level like this. And and you just got to make the most of it. You got to take advantage. If you're Kansas State, this is true in everything you do. You have to leverage your assets better than everyone else leverages their assets. Because sometimes maybe the football program has less weapons. But you make the most of the Deuce Vons and the Adrian Martinez and the Will Howards and anyone else. And that's exactly the position they're in. From Evergreen Wildcat, which quarterback makes K-State a better team? I, that's the issue here. It's in, this isn't clear. It is very situational. Oklahoma State forced K-State to throw. And in many ways, Will Howard was the perfect quarterback then to start because he will throw and throw a lot on you and make you look silly. Now, will Texas do the same? Well, if Adrian Martinez isn't there, do they load up the box to try to make Adrian throw? Maybe. And maybe that's why he switched back if Adrian struggles to get the ball downfield. But it's just so dependent on what the other team's doing. If they're going to give up the quarterback run game to protect against deep balls, Adrian Martinez is your guy. He's just going to slice and dice you with him and Deuce. So it, it everything comes into what's the other team planning on and how the is the other team adjusting through the course of the game. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Throughout this whole entire season, the number one issue with the offense has been that they cannot effectively throw the ball down the field. We have never once complained that they cannot run the ball because they are the best team in the Big 12. Maybe not statistically, but they are the best team at the Big 12 running the football. That is a fact. You watch Deuce Vaughn. You watch Adrian Martinez. There is not a better quarterback and running back combination in this conference. Maybe TCU. Maybe TCU. I'm still not bought in on Max Duggan as a runner. But you essentially have two running backs in the backfield with Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn. The answer to this question is Adrian Martinez. I understand that Will Howard came out and made Oklahoma State's defense look silly. I'm also going to say this. If Adrian Martinez is healthy, did you guys see how big a holes that Deuce Vaughn had against Oklahoma State. Maybe they don't win 48 to nothing, but that is still a dominant beatdown. Instead of throwing 300 yards on the ground, uh, 300 yards through the air, Adrian Martinez rushes for over 200 yards in that game. There's no doubt in my mind about it. K-State could do no wrong on Saturday. Listen, I know people want to sit here. It has been the hot topic to say that Will Howard should start over Adrian Martinez. I completely understand that, but I'm here to tell you guys this. I truly believe that that is just a little bit of recency bias. I, I am all for Will Howard. I think he's going to be a great quarterback. I think he is a really good quarterback. But I think for what K-State wants to do offensively, what do they like to do? What have they done? They like to pound the ball. Their whole entire offense is built around running the football. If K-State gets down in a game, look what happened against TCU. K-State did not have any starters out on offense in that game, save for Will Howard. And I, and I am on record of saying if he's in the game, I still think they win that game. But they couldn't do anything offensively. I'm not, I'm not saying that Adrian would have changed that. But I am saying I've seen what Adrian Martinez can do in Big 12 play. And I've also seen what Will Howard can do through a game and a half. I still think Adrian is the better fit for this offense for this year. For this year, for the rest of the year, the way the team is built right now. Adrian Martinez, that's my answer. I, just, I think the battle is close enough that it's a situational analysis. I think one guy is going to make you better against other some teams, and the other guy is going to make you better against the others. Exactly. And it, it all comes down to making an analytical call of, hey, this guy gives K-State the best chance to win.
Agreed. 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 From email wildcat82, is Chris Kleiman the true quarterback whisperer given his past success and now with what we are witnessing firsthand with Adrian Martinez and Will Howard? This is, it is pretty amazing. And, you know, in listening to him and listening to the quarterbacks, just because he's a defensive quarter coach, excuse me, defensive coach doesn't mean he doesn't know how to communicate with his quarterbacks. I think he does such a good job of explaining what defenses are attempting to do, maybe even at a level higher than your average offensive-minded coach that might have great quarterback history. He can really dig in and explain, this is exactly what the defense is thinking and what they're doing. Now, for for me, Bill Snyder kind of supersedes all of those rules because he just had such an incredible understanding of all things football. But I think Coach Kleiman does an incredible job of educating his quarterbacks on the defensive mindset to a degree that an offensive coach just can't do it. And and you couple that with good quarterback teaching, which apparently we're seeing from Colin Klein. We questioned it at one point last year, but I think by season's end and we saw what happened with Skylar Thompson, we understand that Colin is making progress with these guys, and we're now seeing it. We've seen it with Jake Rubley. I mean, granted, he wasn't great at TCU, but he stepped on the field and uh, he wasn't anywhere near being ready to step on the field a year ago. And the fact that they've supplanted Jaron Lewis as the number three, I, I just think it, you can see the progression going on here that we've got to appreciate. But I think it's in combination with a really good quarterback coach and a defensive-minded head coach that knows how to teach defensive football to a signal caller. I don't think I could have said it any better, Fitz. But can I add this? Confidence? Yeah. I mean, that's what we I, – I specifically remember asking him – because that stat is just ridiculous how Chris Kleiman, you know, he has coached more NFL active NFL quarterbacks than any other coach in all of college football right now. And and his answer was, I let him know how much I love him. I let him know how much I appreciate him and I have confidence in him. I truly believe that the way Chris Kleiman coaches quarterbacks is different than the way that any other coach coaches quarterbacks. We can sit here and we can talk about Lincoln Riley and, and Cliff Kingsbury and even Nick Saban. Nick Saban's another defensive guy. And maybe that's part of the reason, along with getting really good talent. I, maybe there's something to that. And, and, and you look in the NFL too, Matt Patricia was a defensive-minded coach. He was the defensive coordinator for the Patriots, head coach of the Lions. Now he is calling plays for the Patriots. There's something about if you know football, you know football. Just because you're a defensive coach doesn't mean you don't know offense. And just because you're an offensive coach doesn't mean you don't know defense. In all, in all likelihood, if you're an offensive coach, you know more about defense then really you probably do about offense. And so, um, yeah, it's one of those, those things that kind of – it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But if you're a K-State fan, you've got to be happy that this is happening at your school. So Will Howard, Adrian Martinez are both playing in the NFL, right? Well, they're both going to play and then coach and then own teams. Okay. Okay, that's my bold predictions. From Momo Cat, how many Momo. more sacks would King Felix have if he wasn't constantly held? <laughs> are the refs are the refs deliberately trying to ignore the holds? There were some pretty blatant ones. They did a yeah. good job of ignoring on Saturday. I mean, there was one in particular where Felix beat the guy. He was around him, and he literally had an arm bar on Felix with a with a hold of him right in front of the white hat, Scott Campbell, who was probably thinking about what he's going to say on the next time he speaks to the audience for no plausible reason. <laughs> I, I, that, this guy's incredible. The pass is caught by the receiver. It's good enough for a first down as there's a 45-yard pass. Like, yeah. Thanks, guys. Right. on the field was a completed catch. 
Yeah, the ruling on the field was what exactly you saw <laughs> because you're at a football game and you know what you saw. But I'm going to say it anyhow. Anyhow. Um, what, was I, what was the question? Felix is punished for being too good. Yeah. That's my answer. Yeah. it's un- Felix is unfair. But Felix made a grave error in the media room today, Tuesday. He said, I think every time I've been single teamed, I've gotten a sack. No, Felix, don't say that. Because now coaches are going to go back and check it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can't, yep. we can't, we can't single. single. We can't single team him ever, ever. And yeah, that was a great quote, by the way. I love that. Felix is such a confident kid, and he's a nice kid, but he's definitely got a swagger. I love how Felix is kind of the laid back Kansas City kid, you know, just humble, works hard. Knows he's got it farther to go and knows where he started. You put him on the football field on Saturday, he's a talking son of a – and he's just in everyone's face. It's amazing watching the transformation from off the field Felix to on the field Felix that gives no craps about anything other than sacking your quarterback and tackling your runners. That's got to be such a frightening feeling as an offensive lineman going up against that guy. And and I I was talking to somebody about this in the media room, and I went back and watched that game. And you look at that sack and – First of all, terrible offensive coaching by Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy on that play. Now, I get they're down 41 nothing at this point. But they single block Felix Anyudike Uzama. Bad decision. But who do they double team instead? They double team Uso. The right guard and center double team Uso, and they leave the right tackle on an island to single block Felix. Okay, interesting strategy. Oh, but they have a running back in the backfield. Maybe the running back will come up and block and help, and there's your double team. And the running back just decides, actually, no, I'm just going to chip him. I'm just going to come up, throw a chicken wing, and Felix just says, okay, I'm just going to rip right through you. On a three-step drop from the shotgun, Felix was there. As soon as Sanders had his three-step drop, Felix sacked him. He didn't have any time to look and do anything. His first read wasn't open, and Felix made the sack. That was probably one of the fastest I've ever seen Felix get to the quarterback. Did the This guy is unbelievable. Did the so tackle we, have time to yell, watch out? I don't even think so. No. I don't think I had time to blink. No. Somebody brought the stat up to him today in media that every time he's been single blocked all year, he's gotten a sack. Yeah, and he confirmed it. Yeah. yeah. Something insane. I know. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I... You better be careful advertising his wares that way. Letting people know, if you single-team me, I'll, I'll get your quarterback. Okay, we'll never do it. He's going to have a chance to be one of the best pass rushers in the NFL in two years. He really will. Or they call his bluff, and they single-team him all game, and he gets a million sacks. Um, okay. Uh, well, a lot of offensive hey, plays. I will say Gills. this. <laughs> he gets a million sacks, and the it's Big 12 says, no, it was just four. I will say this. Gary Patterson <laughs> Gary Patterson is on the Texas staff, so you never know. Yeah, you might decide, <laughs> hey, we'll see how good our tackles are again this, this year like yeah. I did at TCU last year. That didn't work. Last question of the first half from Florida Cat Fan 90. So now that the Cats have finally put together their best game and found out how to achieve it, do you believe they are the best team in the conference when they are firing on all cylinders? Absolutely. I have no doubt in my mind after what I saw. They played at a level nobody else in the conference has played because you have to measure it against the fact that Oklahoma State's a pretty damn good football team. They're a top 10 football team or were. Um, I, granted, Texas beat Oklahoma 49 nothing, but Oklahoma's without their starter. Oklahoma was in disarray at that moment. And so those games are kind of comparable, but I I think this is the best performance because Oklahoma State, while beaten up in Spencer Sanders, I think we can all admit wasn't 100% healthy. Still, this was a team that would just beat in Texas. They just achieved that over the same Texas team I'm talking about beating Oklahoma. And 
then K-State does that. So I think it's really impressive. The challenge here is how do you replicate that? Because so much of it's mental. So much of it was they were all locked in together. And, uh, Cole, I know you're a, a fan of cohesive offensive line play. I don't think it gets much better for a coach than what K-State put on the field against Oklahoma State. You can go back and watch almost any highlight, and you see these, this offensive line working together. Will Howard's in a clean pocket. Cade Warner's got an avenue to the end zone because of the blocking on that screen pass. Deuce Vaughn, they popped open a seam for him, and he got through it horizontally and then was gone because of incredible blocking. But this went on at all levels of the field, where the back end of the defense, the front end of the defense, everyone was cohesive and on the same page. And if you can replicate that, if you can replicate that, you're going to win the Big 12 championship. You're going to start rattling off victories. And while I don't think there's any avenue to the college football playoff short of total meltdown in the SEC in which everyone starts losing, um, you can be in a really prominent bowl game if you can just keep on finding a way to replicate that energy. They got close to it at Oklahoma. The same kind of focus from wire to wire, but maintaining that focus in every game is virtually impossible, and it's what they have to find. Thank you for saying that because I'm 100% agreeing with you in every single thing that you said, which makes the fact that this year specifically – you know, big picture, big picture, right? Um, the fact that there isn't an expanded college football playoff this year is kind of disappointing because if there was ever a year for K-State to be in that, that would be this year. They're number 13 in the polls. I would imagine they're going to they're gonna have a chance to be 10 or 11 in this college football playoff poll. I have a feeling that the the committee is going to value the Big 12 a lot more than people think this year. Um, I think K-State has an opportunity to be a top 10 10 team by next week. Um, There's no doubt in my mind, first of all, that K-State's going to beat Texas. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind. The the way they played on Saturday, not the fact that they won 48 to nothing, but the swagger that they played with, the confidence they played with, the physicality that they played with, and now you're staying at home for a night game, I understand that a letdown is a real thing, but not with this group. There's just something different about this group and the culture that this team is building. Again, Chris Kleiman or Steve Sarkis, I'm taking Chris Kleiman all day long. I think this is the best team in the Big 12. They're not going to beat everybody 48 to nothing, but I think there's a very good chance that they win out and, and we have a rematch with TCU in the Big 12 championship game. Since we talked about, since you brought up the playoff, the playoff rankings come out tonight, Tuesday. I know you're listening to this Wednesday, so they're already out. But K-State's what right now? They're 13th and 14th currently in the yeah. polls. Tulane is 17 right now in the AP. Tulane is going to be the highest rated group of – is it group of five, group of six? Group, group of five. five. Group of five now. Group of five teams in the rankings. But when you look at that and you compare K-State's injuries against TCU and how they played against TCU – it's not a computer. It's a committee that, that puts these rankings together. I think K-State is going to be higher than 13th in these rankings. I think they will be the highest rated two-loss team by this committee. It, I think there's a very good chance. When your other your two losses are the programs that are in the top, in the top 25. Yeah, it's a good argument. And, and here's, here's where I'll say before we before we finish this up. And now you're right. I don't think that an avenue exists for the college football playoff, and we're still a long ways out from that. The first rankings come out tonight. But if you beat Texas and you are in the driver's seat for the Big 12 championship, sure, 
those conversations can can be had. And I understand that they have two losses, but again, this is a committee. This is not this is not based off of computer rankings. This is a committee. Uh, it's a lot of math in Alabama, though. And I, and I understand that. I understand. Computer that. rankings would love K State more than a committee, though. Right. No, and not that's yeah. not always true because computer rankings aren't a true computer. Someone has to put in the starting points, the the starting information. And this is my ongoing problem with computer rankings or you know anything like that. What was the data you put in at the start of the season that established the rankings to begin with? Because that might be flawed information. Oklahoma probably was ranked really high in those computer rankings, but does that unwind everything with what's happened this season? It doesn't. It doesn't, and and that's that's the problem. I wish none of this was factored in until at least the mid-season mark, when all teams have played six games, and then you've got a groundwork for a computer to dig in and start saying, okay, this is the value of these wins and losses. If K State wins out, I hope that they give the committee a tough decision because if K State wins the Big Twelve championship, if they go into the Big Twelve championship game having won out, and they go into that at ten and two. They got to be in the top six. I think Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia are going to give the committee a tough decision. Clemson. I mean, there's there's teams that need to get two losses before K State can even sniff the college football play. I'm not saying that they should. I'm just saying that from the from the eye no, test, from the eye they're test, they're going to be the the. They aren't even going to be in the fifth or sixth spot that's underneath on the first two out. They're going to be seventh or eighth if they if we reach the end of the season. There is so much football to be, to be played and so many losses that are just not going to happen. Unfortunately. I think there's a lot of parity in college football this season. I will say no doubt, but not enough. I hate to say this, but I would bet that there's two SEC teams that get in and zero Big Twelve teams that get in. I would say this is. I hate to say this it, is a bold statement. I think the chances are that there will be three SEC teams in, better than one Big Twelve team. I think even unbeaten TCU is threatened by one loss Georgia, one loss LSU, one loss Tennessee, one loss Alabama. Hell, there's people on that committee who say that's the that's the playoff we should have right there. That's it. Those four teams, we should have them all in. It's utter trash what they're doing to college football. It's why I'm eager to get to 12, 12 games or, excuse me, 12 teams in the playoff because – Kansas State, if they continue to play like they did on Saturday, I would not want to mess with them in the college football playoff. Nope. But at four teams, no chance. Very little chance. I don't want to say no. A very remote chance of making it in. At six teams, same. I, I still don't think. Eight teams, maybe not. They might get in ranked at seeded 10th, but heaven forbid that third seeded team that has to play them in the first round, they don't want to mess with that. That's what's going to make it fun and interesting, and and yeah. Remember though, Gene Taylor is on the committee. Home cooking. I have to leave the room now because you're going to talk about Kansas State, which is a vastly underrated football team, and I will crap in your car if you don't vote for K State. Okay, I'm out. That's my Gene Taylor, which sounded remarkably like me. That's it for the first half of the PowerCat podcast, the Gills Friendly episode, because he's back with us. Female listenership is through the roof on this episode. Thank you to the Fridge for putting up with this nonsense. We'll be right back. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe. The leaders in K-State sports coverage will be right back with more of the PowerCat podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Tim Fitzgerald, that's me. Zach Carlson, that's him. Cole Carmody, he's right in front of me. He's right at midnight on your clock. And Ryan Gills Gilbert, who's closer to 2 a.m., which is the closing time of a bar, but he wouldn't know that. He works at a bar that doesn't close at 2 a.m. Anyhow, get into the fridge whenever you're in town. It's where most of the quality bars and restaurants get their liquor in Manhattan. You should, too. Stop into the fridge at the corner of. You ready, folks? You ready? You ready? No. Claflin and Westport. Thank you. I couldn't get it. It's, I wanted college. I wanted Kimball. And I just couldn't get there. Couldn't get there. It's your questions from Wabash Station. We continue. I think Cole's taken over now. Cole Carmody with his dulcet voice. <clears throat> I don't know what that means. That, that wasn't at all what I wanted to say. I don't know what that Let's means go. either. Let's keep move on. Ignore it. The first question of the second half comes from Cat in Calo. Discuss the Texas game. That stands for uh, Cat in Colorado. Ryan, how do you say not this? Colum- not Columbia? No, well, it could. It could, could be Columbia. We're real big among those folks down in Columbia. Okay. Well, Have I been called in? It says, discuss the Texas game. What is this, what is this line? It is very huge. Thank you. It's huge. It's huge. Texas will have better athletes. We are in the midst of a hard stretch. TCU, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Baylor. Texas has had a had a bye had a bye last week. K State's only edges may be coaching and home field. Question mark. Will it be enough? Question mark. I think quarterback. I'll make that argument. Either quarterback could win that argument. Running backs even up and out because I think Bichon's really special. Okay, so I just saw the someone's new power ratings of the big 12 and you know, they mean nothing, you know, here's who we have ranked. And, but the, the left side, the top five of the, the graphic were TCU played them K state are them. And then you had, I can't remember the order, Texas, Oklahoma state and Baylor just played Oklahoma state, Texas and Baylor are next. They're playing in, in a four-week span, they're going to play the four other top teams in this league, and this will decide where they sit. This is the toughest game left on the schedule as of now. Baylor kind of scares me because they seem to have woken up all of a sudden. you got to be all the way up for this. And what happened last year in Austin, I, I feel like this team is paying back debts. 
And I feel like this team is reacting to some of the things they've experienced over the last couple of years. And that loss in Austin and the ass kicking during the pandemic probably sticks with this team just like a lot of other things have. I think they'll be really locked in. There's no way they are not going to be locked in for all those mentions you reasoned. For all the mentions you reasoned. For right. all those reasons yeah. you mentioned. Hey, if someone's going to be an idiot on this podcast, it'll be me. That is my Thank lane. You. Stay out of it. Gil's what, in all seriousness, it's one, right? Texas plus one or minus one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. again, I know Vegas knows a lot more than me, and they have other reasons than the actual outcome of the game to set spreads, but this makes no sense to me how Oklahoma State can be a dog at home to Texas and win. Kansas State beats the tar out of Oklahoma State, and then that same Texas team comes in and is favored to beat the team that they just beat had beaten Texas. I got lost in that. Texas, Texas fans have a lot of money. Yeah, that's exactly. That's they're just trying is. to balance the money, and you give them that. Um, I I will be picking Kansas State. I know a lot of you want me to pick Texas. I understand that there's a certain science to this. Mostly being my picks have been really bad, and so every time I've picked against the Cats, they've won. Um, and I, I get that, but I'm going to probably roll with the Cats. What are they? They haven't covered the spread in the last two games. They were six and a half point favorites against Texas, and they lost, or Oklahoma State, and they lost against Iowa State. What were they like 18 points or yeah. something like that? They won barely. Barely shouldn't have won that game uh, against Iowa State. Against Oklahoma, obviously they covered and they obliterated Oklahoma with their fourth string quarterback. Um, West uh, against West Virginia, I think that was a bounce back game for them. Um, they won pretty handily against Texas Tech. Obviously, they lost open up conference play. They didn't cover the spread there. So I think this Texas team is extremely overvalued. I have said that for the whole entire season. I will continue to say it. This is Steve Sarkeesian we're talking about. Again, I'll go back to it. Steve, Sar- Steve Sarkeesian, Chris Kleiman. Do you trust Steve Sarkeesian or do you trust Chris Kleiman? I'm still riding with Kleiman. This is a big game. Don't get me wrong. Texas has better athletes, but they're not as physical as K-State. That's just the bottom line. If you go back and you watch that offensive line play, Fitch, you were talking about the offensive line earlier. They are poetry in motion. Hadley Panzer, Cooper Beebe, Hayden Gillum, those three guys are playing just as good as anybody up front. And I'll take my chances with that offensive line against anybody on the defensive side because I do think this team is going to run the daylights out of the ball. They just are. And the defense might give up some points because Quinn Ewers might be the most talented quarterback they've faced all season long. Bijan Robinson is the most talented running back they've faced all season long. But again, Quinn Ewers played awful against Oklahoma State. This Texas team does not play well on the road. That's just that's just the bottom line. Guys, they 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 don't. They lost to Oklahoma State. They lost to Texas Tech. Um and that's really been the only time they've been pushed uh, on the road. That's the only time they've been on the road if you don't count Bedlam. So, yeah, I, I don't see any way that K-State I mean, loses. outside of Alabama, and K-State's probably going to be the best defense they've played all year, too. Mm-hmm. To yep. counterpoint, Cole, as I love to do, per usual, <laughs> Texas is close to being an undefeated team right now. They almost beat Bama. They went to overtime against Tech, and then they they blew a lead against Oklahoma State. So, I'm not disagreeing or agreeing with the line that Vegas they're, has right now. They're the best three-loss team in the country. They very well could be, and I think that you know there's a fine line in college football, obviously, but they might be closer than than some think, and that's why this line is so close. I'm not saying K-State's better or worse, but there's a reason why this line is near pick'em. Could you say the same thing about K-State? Though you can say the same thing about many teams. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Yep, I agree. Hmm. Are we good? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, next question comes from a New Year's, so welcome to the site. Uh, boom, cats, meow, J-Rot. Welcome. I, welcome, that's my friend. That's a lot of words. Boom, cats, meow, J-Rot. Boom, cats, meow, J-Rot. Uh, some anchorman 
references there, maybe potentially. It's a good vocal warm up. Yeah. Can, can you ask a question? We could do this like first every week. Yeah. Mm. Get us, get your, ready for the rest jaw, of the podcast. Yeah, my tongue is ready. Okay. Um, oh, God. Two part question. What would it take for Deuce and Felix and other seniors to stay another year and try to get a college football playoff berth? Where do you think they will go in the NFL draft this year versus next year if they stay to increase their stock or is their stock at its peak? And that's the question. Where is their stock? Can they improve that stock and their standing in the NFL draft if they stick around another year? I would say no. Not for Felix. Felix is a top five pick, according to at least one. I don't know if he'll be top five, but I think he'll be top 20. Yeah, he's a first-round pick. Does he get substantially better? Well, I guess he could. I mean, I guess he could. I guess he could Miles Garrett a whole season uh, and dominate everyone, become the number one pick. Because, Cole, would you agree? Gills, that rush-ins are the hottest commodity right now in the NFL? That's the currency of the NFL. Right. right. Quarterback quarterbacks, and, and, you know, it's been receivers or running back. They go through these phases, but rush-ins are so dynamic and they change the game. His value is really high. I don't see him having a need to come back to improve that. And, look, if, you, if you're trying to improve from, let's say he is the fifth pick, to one, hey, you're – you're risking an injury for that. I mean, just get to the league and you'll get your money eventually. But how do you think White Hubert's feeling right now? He's done. He retired from football. I, what if he would have stayed at K-State? Would he sticking around? Would he have improved? I, I, maybe. A chance. Maybe. But you but, could also get hurt at K-State. I understand both yeah. sides. Deuce Vaughn, I think he's a known commodity. I don't think Deuce could do anything in his senior year, even if it was a dramatic uptick in his output, that would change the minds of anyone. He's still a little tiny guy that's going to have to be uh, someone you put on your roster for specific purposes. A gadget player. He's a gadget guy. And he always will, but Darren Sproles was. He's going to have to settle into that Sproles role, which is significant. It is a third down back that come in and catch and run and do kick it off and punt returns. He can do all of these things. Um, And I don't think he improves his status, even if he improves his stats. I don't think that changes. I don't see why either one of those guys or Cooper BB would come back. I just don't. And, I mean, that's in their best interest to to get to the league. I will say the only way I think Cooper BB comes back is to have a season with his brother. I would agree. And I think that's a very realistic possibility. There's a lot of BBs, and those are be the two that got to play together. Right, and it hasn't happened before with that family. So, yeah, I think that's a, a root. That's a that's a, that's a that's a realistic possibility with Deuce. I, I'm I'm starting to lean more of the opinion the other way. Fitz, I think that he hasn't had the statistical season that he's wanted, and um, he cares about his legacy at K State. You talk to him just for a little bit, and. He, he wants to be known. He wants to leave a legacy. He wants to leave a footprint here. If K-State comes up short this season, let's be honest. This season has been all about Adrian Martinez and Will Howard. There's a reason why Deuce Vaughn goes for 150 yards, and Chris Kleiman has to say, hey, nobody asked about Deuce Vaughn in the postgame press conference, right? Deuce Vaughn's kind of being the forgotten guy here. If he comes back for a senior season, he will not be the forgotten guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Right? I'm not saying that Deuce wants to be that guy, but I think there is a realistic possibility that Deuce Vaughn comes back not only to increase his stats, but just to cement his legacy as being one of the best K-State players of all time. And I think Felix is gone, by the way. And also, if the Chiefs are listening to this, mm-hmm. please trade up in the first round and select the Kansas City kid in the draft 
in Kansas City to play for your hometown team, how cool would that be? It'd be really cool, but it'll end up with the Broncos. I don't see, I don't see the Chiefs taking anybody. I know like it's that. pie in the sky. I'm just saying. Best case scenario for this situation for Deuce and Felix to come back. In my opinion, K State runs the table this season. They win the Big Twelve title game. They finish what sixth or seventh in the rankings in the in the playoff polls, and they have unfinished business. They want to come back. Not too no, far fetched. I wouldn't. I wouldn't think. Um, Next question comes from old school. K-State has played a lot of dudes this year, particularly on defense. Will the playing time help prevent kids from entering the transfer portal? Okay, give me that again. I'm sorry. K-State has played a lot of dudes this year. Okay. Not, not, not. Uh, see, that's what I heard, dude. And I dude, thought, dude his, hasn't played. His head is underneath the, the, the cabinet. The cabinet. He's so weird. So <laughs> they've played a lot of dudes, not dogs, okay. um, this year on defense. They want to know if that will help kids uh, prevent them from entering the portal. And I think it is legitimate. I, I mean, if you're getting a taste of playing, if you feel included, I think a lot of kids go in the portal. Well, kids go in the portal for various reasons. But if you don't feel completely engaged by how you're being used, maybe it's just in practice. If you don't feel like you're valued, you get the hell out of there. If you don't feel like there's a path to being on the field, you get the hell out of there. And that's, you know, we're seeing kids leave for other reasons. Maybe they don't like the water. I mean, seriously, you don't know what's going through a kid's head. Maybe he broke up with his girlfriend and wants a new start. You you don't know. Um, But, yeah, I think showing that you can come to K-State and we will play you early if you're ready. You will see the field. It might be on special teams. It might be as a backup lineman. But we're going to get you in the game if you're ready. And if you're not ready to be on the field for offensive or defensive snaps, but you're a freak athlete, you're going to play a lot of special teams. Toby Osinzami. You got it. Thank you for saying it because mm-hmm. I couldn't. I, I need to really work that. The offseason is going to be saying his name over and over. Um, I'm going to preface this by saying, first of all, prayers up to Marvin Martin, the former K-State Wildcat. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see this or not. He was injured. He transferred, he transferred to South Alabama last year. Mm-hmm. He got injured in practice. Um, not life-threatening, but it is career-threatening. I think it was like a, a scary situation mm. where he thought he might have been paralyzed. And that mm. um, he They say he's doing fine. He's still in the hospital. But first of all, prayers out to him. But you use that as an example, right? A kid who played. He didn't redshirt last season. Really didn't play until the end of the year. Blocked a punt. He did. He had a successful season on special teams didn't really see the field much on defense until the very end and then it felt like that it was maybe time to get closer to home and and play a little bit more he was a backup at south alabama and i look on the defense this year there's really nobody that plays that is a young kid that i would expect to transfer Mm-mm. just from knowing these kids and and getting a chance to talk with them i use a guy like jacob Parrish for example and I asked about him at the press conference this week. His story is remarkable, and we've talked about him before. And, and I, if you've been following me or if you know me, you know that I'm very biased towards the Parrish family. His older brother is one of my best friends, and so I've known that family for forever. But that is a kid who was severely under-recruited out of high school. Ryan Wallace sang his praise since he was the time he was a sophomore. He comes to K-State. He sees the field. Now he's playing significant snaps. If Jacob Parrish were to redshirt, I don't think anybody would have batted an eye, right? It's those guys that are on the fringe, right, that they've talked about, the Jake Cliftons as well, and, and the Toby Osinsamis. These guys are good enough to play, 
but this K-State team is just pretty deep on the defense. And so eventually they work their way up the depth chart and they stick. And so um, I, I think Jacob Parrish, Jake Clifton, Toby Osinsami, all these guys on the defense who have played, their ceilings are extremely high. I would be surprised if there's hardly any guys that um, willingly enter the transfer portal uh, this year on the defensive side. Chris Kleiman wants guys to play. I mean, you look at the pandemic season, they could easily cancel those games, and he decided to play just to get those guys minutes. So, you know, he doesn't care really. I mean, unless K-State's like undefeated and really has a chance to do something special, I don't think he cares playing a, a quote-unquote young guy, an inexperienced guy, because he knows how much that pays off in the future. Both of these came about at the same time, being allowed to play four games and maintain your red shirt and the transfer portal. They both kind of came came around at, at about the same time, and I think that they are both good for each other. I think that if you know you're not playing, you can get in the transfer portal. But those four games, I mean, it's you get a little sample of, of what college football is like. And, and if you can make an impact for your team in, in those four games, I think that it, it's a good thing. And, you know, as we've seen this year, I don't know if I don't know how many guys K-State's going to burn their red shirt on for true freshmen, but they're playing guys and they're rotating them through. And, and there's some guys that are definitely making an impact right now. Yep. Uh, that was the last football question, so we'll move on. More? More football? No, that was it. More, okay. More Will Howard. Adrian Martinez, please. Yes, we haven't covered it enough. From Call Me T22, <laughs> I know the question will be recorded before the basketball game and post after it, but who's the starting five against Washburn? I want to see if any of you can nail all five. Also, some predictions if you are so inclined. Number one is my favorite, Marquise. Can we all agree on that? Why do you have to say it like your favorite? Well, I think you should have a fresh beginning with Marquise. Okay, just throw away the key. Yes, Marquise Noel will start a point guard. Ish. You think Ish will start? At the point guard? No, not a point guard. <laughs> That's a Let's bold go, move. Or, Let's go one, two, three, four, five. Two, I say Tyke Green. I think Desi Sins. You think he's up to speed, Fitz? Mm-hmm. I think by midseason, sure. But Okay, I'm with you. Right now. Yeah, I think I think he will be. I think Cam Carter's going to push that spot too. But right now, I got Green. I'm going to. I predicted Tyke Green. I'm. I'm right there with you. Man, it's fascinating. It, these options they have are legitimate. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Cam. I'll go Cam there. Okay. Three. Hmm. I'm going to say Keontae. You have to start him. I think he's. I think he's is ready. He the three or the four. See, this is. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to do yep. this. See, I, I'm. My prediction is five guards. So that's my that's my thing here. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say Keontae Johnson starts at the three. I think again by midseason I'll I think Keontae is a lock to start. But right now I'll go Naquan at three. Interesting. A six ten wing player plays like it. He does. <laughs> Interesting. I am going to go David Gasson at the three. At the th- oh, well, wow. yeah. No, he's big. I take that back. I will go uh, Johnson. And then now you know my pick for the four. Okay. You've got Gasson. If I Gis- can ever say that one. Gasson. Okay. That's what I'm Gasson. Austin Somni. I'm, I'm going to say Naquan Tomlin at the four. Okay. I'll go Ish at four. Okay. Zach, are you still participating or are you texting Dude, chicks? I'm out of. I, I'm texting Riley Gates. <laughs> I am texting Riley. <laughs> uh, Who's that? Uh, I, I have no know. clue. No. I have no clue on these guys other than Marquise and Ish. Okay. So That's continue. all I'm saying. I'm, I'm going to say that they will put um, Naquan out there at the five and not be a true five. I think they're going to go. Okay. I can see that. Absolutely. And I, I was going to say Ish at the five. So 
It's your Naquan at four or five, yeah. I'll go Bebe at five. So And Bebe's, look. But I can easily see them going small and having Ish or Naquan, whoever played the five. So we did have our first media opportunity with Jerome Tang. Was that since the press conference? Is that right? There was one over the summer. That's right. There was one over the summer. On media days. We did pick his brain. Yeah, media, media days. days yeah. Yeah. But there's been one in-person press conference, and it was the first one. Yeah. Um, it's a great day to be a Wildcat. That's good. And um, also, he doesn't know. I honestly think when he said on that press conference, I don't know who's going to start, he doesn't know because they've got so many interchangeable pieces. And if I start this guy, does this guy then move into the lineup or move out? I mean, there's just so many moving pieces there. But I had a buddy who was able to go to practice. He's a former player, and said that they are hyper athletic. Is they, this your lo- your lawyer as well? I'm not going to say who. I'm not going to say Jay Heidrich's name. Listen, he's not friends with Mike. Okay, oh. <laughs> he's not friends with Mike Deepasquale. I'm opting not to say Jay Heidrich's name on this podcast. I guess he did post on the message board. So, um, he said this is the most athletic team he's seen at K State. Um, this is special, and some of the guys he mentioned. We didn't just mention. So there's a lot of guys with upside here. And I think maybe what we'll appreciate, I'm suspecting we'll appreciate as we get going here with actual games. I mean, this is an exhibition. They start their actual season next Monday night. Is that they did an incredible job of identifying players on the cusp of making their breakthrough. And when I watch stuff of David Gasson at um, oh, Virginia Tech. Jesus. I have no brain. I wanted to say Virginia. Um, Virginia Tech, I see a guy that it's all there. He just didn't have an opportunity to play. And then I watched some highlights of him working out and stuff. I'm like, this guy's a great athlete, and he can shoot the ball. I see that all over the – Bebe's going to be just one of those guys that's going to offer an awful lot defensively on this team. It's it's. I'm fascinated by this team. Right now for this season, I don't think K-State has much of a – traditional big like they've got the Hassan and they've got Colbert they got Bebe but those guys aren't traditional bigs Colbert can be there and, and Bebe too but I just don't think they're ready right who now who was the last traditional big man at Baylor Scott Drew has had some success though but usually it's a really hyper athletic yeah. guy that can get up and down the court lengthy skinny yep yep so no Davion's out here no DJ Johnson's and no. all that stuff so a guy like Kurt Kelly, who, you know, drove right, thing, one of the exactly. people on his staff. So the starting five is that's probably the most interesting part of it for me to look at who is going to play the five. Because Ish Masood got away from Wake Forest to not play the five. Is he going to have to just suck it up and, and play the five again? Or is he going to play the four? Then who plays the five? Naquan. I mean, there's so many moving parts there. As far as predictions, let it be known that Zach Carlson said that he thinks K-State could lose this game. I did say today. that before. I remember I texted Fitz or I posted on the board somewhere before the Fort Hay State game. I, I said I would quit if K-State lost after looking at that team, the Tigers, right, during warm-ups. Mm-hmm. So I'm still here. So I don't want to make any sort of predictions because I jinxed it last time. Because that game counted for <laughs> that game counted for them but not Kansas State. Right? No, the other way around. It counted for K-State, didn't Gilles, count for okay. K-State. Okay. I haven't paid you a dime since that day, by the way. You you were fired. We weren't supposed to tell anybody this. <laughs> oh, okay. Last question of the podcast that felt like it's taken forever is probably going to be directed solely at Fitz. Uh, the KSU number one wants to know, how does a new Big 12 media deal impact realignment in your view? Take it away, Fitz. Well, this is 
fascinating. I've been asking people, does this, because there was a report from Bob Thompson, the former Fox executive, he interpreted something from ESPN to say that this includes tier three rights, this deal. And I, nobody from the big 12 can tell me that nobody associated with KC can tell me that. No, I think Brett Yormark's just out there doing his thing and people are like, yeah, we don't really know what he promised here, but we'll, we'll do whatever he says. I, I think it does help the big 12. Honestly, what really helps the big 12 is K-State and Oklahoma State's TV rating. It proves exactly what I've been saying. The brands are so overrated. This was an absolute blowout that got really solid ratings. And you you look at it head-to-head against what was going on in the Pac-12, much better ratings, much better. So, folks, I I think when we finally get to the the Pac-12 and and the the reporters out there who are, you know, just – nurturing at the teat of Pac-12 sports are telling us that, well, now that the Big 12 said the Pac-12 will get a better deal. They have absolutely no credibility in it. Everything they've said has not come to pass. And um, I think when it's all said and done, the Big 12 will have a better conference contract, including you know ESPN and Fox and no streaming element that I kind of want, but I understand it has less value right now. I think someone will shift. And I think they know that. And if if ESPN wasn't concerned about um, the Pac-12 being broken up, they probably wouldn't have cut this deal early with the Big 12. Look at this from ESPN's perspective. They know what they're going to offer the Pac-12. They know that. And if they can get that fourth slot filled without signing another major conference contract – that would be beneficial to them. Would they rather be paying another 250 to $300 million for the Pac-12, or would they like to escalate the Big 12's amount by $100 million a year if they add four more schools? It's in their interest to not have Pac-12 sports, but maybe basketball is a calculation in here that we haven't really put out there. It's good for the conference. It's great for the conference. Brett Yormark promised a bigger contract. He delivered. Do we know all the details? No, not yet. But right now, the fact that he came in, cranked out a deal ahead of time, and the Pac-12 commissioner, George the Clown, can't get anything done except he promises the Pac-12 will be as valuable as the SEC and Big Ten eventually. All I know is that Brett Yormark should just put his – gonads in a wheelbarrow and wheel him around because he is he is that dude <laughs> that just seems impractical it seems like it'd be well if you yeah but uh, you need like a cart that he could drive i don't think you could put him in a wheelbarrow uh, i think what would be fitting is maybe matthew mcconaughey just walks and, and holds him for him there we go that's a scary image the minister of culture and testicular fortitude. That's it. For the Powercat Questions Podcast this week, we didn't have any more basketball. I thought about adding basketball in at the end after the game because we're recording this on Tuesday, but I'm, I'm not I'm not going to do that. You, you'll just have to interpret it for yourself. Thank you for listening to the Powercat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com.
23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.